prayer or prayer? <laughs> what is it? What is it not? And why is it essential to our everyday lives? This episode is part of the Wisdom Within Scripture series that I'm doing. And there is no order to these. They're timeless, by the way, as is all of my teachings. I don't do anything in relation to what's current and trending and new because there's nothing new under the sun, actually. And everything that we've ever needed to know has been written and recorded for us thousands of years ago in ancient wisdom. And it's up to us to find it, to be open to learn it and to apply it in our lives. So today we're going to be talking about prayer, okay? And some some of you might already have a prayer life. Some of you might already be professionals in this. And some of you may have no idea where to even begin with it. Wherever you are on the spectrum, hopefully this will help you out. I will be quoting directly from scripture in the Bible as well to support uh, what I'm saying. Because it's important, everything should always be referred back to scripture and on top of that because it does verify the truth because God's word is truth. I will talk a little bit about some of my experience with it as well but of course always referring back to scripture because it's important because God's word is a literal sort of truth whereas when you hear people speaking purely based off of what they feel it isn't it is not reliable because it's constantly changing and feelings are completely fleeting. They, they are not based in truth. They are based in momentary senses and what is happening in your environment. So they're not something you should be judging life-changing decisions on or how to live life, like principles. That we should be getting from God and his natural laws. So for me personally, I will just say, um, I did not pray a day in my life until December of 2022. So I have no... <laughs> I'm not coming to this as some kind of, you know, preacher of, yeah, prayer and da da And it literally is something that only entered my life um, through actual spiritual miraculous means through God drawing me closer to him in December of 2022. Before that, I never prayed um, in either manner. So what I found is most popular in terms of how people pray is that they're asking for something. So they're asking God for something you know, help, assistance, some kind of wish to be granted, or they are angry with God. And so they're almost having a conflict in that form of prayer of sort of like, you know, why God this? Why God that? You know, why has this happened to me? Right. And I think it's literally because those are the sort of most common ways of praying that that has never been appealing to me because I've never been interested in either wishing or, or asking anybody to make my dreams come true, nor have I ever been interested in blaming anybody, let alone God, for anything wrong in my life. I've always been somebody that took full responsibility for everything in my life. So that never appealed to me. However, what I came to find is that that's actually not what prayer is about at all. So how I learned uh, to pray um, is what I'm going to what I'm going to share with you as well and also I can assure you that it works in the sense that prayer is literally one of the most powerful acts you can do and it directly strengthens your relationship with God because see here's the other thing also before I understood myself as well that God is an actual personal being again he's not a human being but he is a personal being 
So he's invisible, we can't see him and all that. However, he has characteristics, he has traits, he has a personality. He is personified, he has conscious thought. Because from his conscious thought, he created with intricate detail everything that we see in creation, including you and me. And before you realise that, then it doesn't actually make any sense. Because who are you praying to, really? And what, what? you can't pray personally to a nothingness or an it. It would be like going to the ocean and praying to the water or praying to the sun or something, which actually some people do. But unfortunately, that, that's, that's deification. That's, that's false idol worship. So prayer is very specific to God and the only God that exists, the one true God. God's first natural law, his first commandment is, I am your God, you shall have no other gods before me, for a reason. Not because that means there are actually other gods that you can choose instead of him, but because God knew, with his infinite wisdom, that when people deny him, they will choose other things to worship because it's almost like we have this intricate gene of worship okay like human beings sort of have this right they always look up to something beyond themselves the spiritual aspect for sure for sure so instead they'll worship people and things they'll worship statues how many people have statues and 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 they'll they'll even claim that it's not religious but it is, it's a statue that you've put and now you've made like a, a, a shrine around it and then maybe you light candles to it or you say, a, say a, an affirmation with, with it. Like that, that is worship, right? But, but it, in many ways, it's been unfortunately sneakily put into people's cultures and this is global. There's various different cultures and various ways this evil has infiltrated. And so it causes people to to pray and make supplication to to false idols. So statues is a big one. Uh, Animals is another one. People worship animals, various different kinds of animals, depending on the culture. People worship the stars. You've heard the phrase, right? Like, wish upon a star. Why would you do that? Why would you wish? And why are are you looking to the stars for the answers, right? I mean, just think about the the business and corporation, because that's exactly what it is, Um, the industry that is astrology and star signs it's incredible um that is literally again these are all the things that god is warning us that people end up worshiping the creation and not him another thing that people worship is creation itself nature now nature is beautiful and absolutely glorious and wonderful i love nature i spend most of my time in nature but i do not worship nature i do not bow down to nature i do not say that nature is my mother it's very funny actually how if you've noticed the terminology that people don't seem to have an issue with calling earth the planet mother and they even give it a name right mother gaia but they have a very serious issue with a heavenly father (laughs) that's impossible but an earthly mother oh yeah she's fantastic this nurturing mother earth that we're raping apparently right But the Heavenly Father, who is just, who has standards, who has morals, who has laws, oh, no, 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 we don't like him. Why? Because he triggers your conscience. He makes you see your own flaws. He makes you understand that actually to have human life is to have responsibility. We're not just 
beasts walking around in a field. We all have intrinsic value and meaning and purpose. Okay, so that's why that's the number one commandment, because people end up worshipping things and other people instead of him. So he gave us two ways in which to understand and get to know him. Number one, uh, so they're called actually general revelation and special revelation. And general revelation is the creation, nature. So God shows and reveals himself to everybody through nature and creation. It's, it's infinitely obvious that there is a creator that is beyond space and time, that is beyond us, higher than us, that has created everything with the intricate detail you see, with the complete order you see, with the infinite detail to everything, that there is a God. In creation, you can see that. So that's called general revelation because it's available to everyone. So sometimes people say, right, well, what if somebody doesn't have access to reading, right? Are they, what about them? Yes, there's general revelation in the creation. It's very clear that there is a creator. However, what we're supposed to have is people who are actually godly people, a godly home, godly leaders that actually through fear of God and through understanding all of his characters and statutes would teach to future generations what his works are, what life is about, what is the purpose, what does it mean to be to be righteous? What does it mean to be wicked? But that's not like we, we live in a time that is ruled by Satanism. So that's the issue. It's again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an error in, in humanity, not in God. So all of creation shows you that, but people still deny God in various ways. In fact, there are numerous examples throughout all of scripture where God was literally revealing himself directly to people um, and they still didn't believe Okay, so people, well, you, you can relate to this today through everything with the crisis that's been going on in the last few years. No matter how much, for example, facts and data and information and proof you bring to people, there are some people that just don't see it. They don't want to see it. They're blinded in spirit, right? That's the same thing. So that's another thing where people often say, well, God should just show himself to me. No, he doesn't owe you anything. And in fact, he knows because he's done this in the past where people have taken it for granted. He shows himself, he shows aspects of his glory. He doesn't fully show himself because we would quite literally die from awe of his perfection. But he showed himself in various ways and people took it for granted. Not everyone, of course, because he had his prophets and... Um, disciples and so on but many many people did so that's why so we have general revelation which is the creation that's his works that's we are literally looking at the works of God's hands and then we have special revelation which is first and foremost the word of God the bible is special revelation it's literally the people that wrote the book bible which were many by the way it wasn't one person it's 66 books written across various decades and across different continents by many many people and they are um the, it was inspired word via god meaning that even though everybody had their own personal writing style which is again this is an aspect of your free will by the way we all have our own skills and talents and so as you develop in your purpose in life, which is in service to the good in your unique way, 
you are delivering God's truth through your expression. That's why people's writing styles can be different, but nonetheless, the message is the same. The message is the truth of God. He, he directed it. And again, this part I find very interesting where people love to say, well, a man wrote that or there's obviously going to be errors in it or because it's man-made. Well, anything you've ever learned in life came from man, came from another human being. And the same people that will say they will literally do anything other than read the Bible, which I just, I just find it extremely interesting. Just, just, just read it for intellectual study. I really don't understand what is the, the strong rejection of just even reading it don't you know like at least read it first and I know that people fear to read it because it's actually a spiritual it's a it's a it's a morality thing it's not an intellect thing it's a morality thing because the the word of God will literally convict you meaning that you will start to feel godly sorrow for everything you've ever done wrong in your life and you will literally weep and cry for the sorrow for God you'll feel like you've wronged God and you'll then have this immense desire to turn away from everything that you ever did that was wicked and choose to to be with him. It's actually a very beautiful thing, but it, it is sorrowful. It's sorrowful and it's a conviction. And it means you stripping away a lot of the worldly things, which a lot of people don't want to do. So that's the real reason. But the same people that don't want to read the Bible um, study and do research of thousands of other people's what? Books. From who? people. So how can you say that their stuff is truth, but not God's word? It doesn't make any sense. You've got to follow the logical conclusion. You can say that about anything. Then what, what, how, how can we even say anything about anything is true? Everything we learn is from other people. Human beings are not born out of the womb all-knowing, are we? We need knowledge. We need knowledge. And that's why the combination of both is so powerful. So God's works, creation, and God's word, the Bible. Other ways he shows himself through special revelation. Of course, one of the most important ones is the appearance of Jesus Christ in the, in the physical, in the flesh. But there's other ways that he's done that through, for example, dreams and visions, angels and prophets and so on and so forth. However, since the word of God was printed and made available to every single person on the planet, like you can order it for basically pennies and have a copy with you at all times. Since then, we've definitely seen way less of any appearances that are like dreams, visions, prophets and angels because God's word is there and it's not changing. It is written. It's not somebody's dream interpretation. Like it is it's complete, you see, and that's why we've seen so fewer scenarios of other special revelations because the word is complete. It's sufficient. It even says in, in scripture, all of the word in scripture is sufficient for reproof, for correction, and for study, for, for, for de developing yourself in truth and to knowing God. And it is a direct way that you get to know God, okay? Another uh, special revelation for you personally is when he draws missionaries to you. So you'll have some situations in your life where for some random reason somebody speaks to you about God or gives you a Bible or something, something like this, that especially in times where you're just not even interested. Because <laughs> again, I personally as well never looked at or saw a Bible in my entire life until December of 2022. And it was not 
because I had some kind of crisis or I was desperate or anything like that. Actually, my life is pretty wonderful and I'm very grateful for my life and where I've come to to this point. But it was through special revelations and through God drawing me closer to him that it got to that. So, But I'm not going to go into the whole story of that. The point is, though, as I then was learning through God's word, I understood that prayer is important and that is a way that I can actually speak to him. Again, that didn't make sense to me before when I did not understand that he's actually a personal being. Do you see why this is important? Because who are you talking to? Who are you praying to, right? And also, when I understood that true prayer is not what I said in the beginning, the asking and begging someone to grant you wishes like a genie or a vending machine or to blame for all your problems, you see. I've never been interested in that. But I came to find from my own study, which is why, well, that's what I've done all my life, but that's why I always recommend that to everybody I ever meet is always be a lifelong student, be a student and and learn things and study things and research things yourself. Don't just take everybody, somebody else's word for it. Yes, there's people you can trust and you can take their word, but not everyone, guys, please. There's a lot of information out there on the internet and everything, especially these days, everybody's online all the time. Not everybody has your best interest and a lot of people are just trying to make a quick buck and trying to get famous and they're doing it off of your, your demise, okay? So please have some discernment there. So in understanding that that's not what prayer is, it's not asking the universe, quote, as a vending machine, or even this proclamations, you know, affirmations thing, I'm not saying anything against it, but that's not true prayer, there's no power in that. So people do these affirmations and stuff, which mentally, like a psychological practice, could be good for your own, like, motivation, or for your own self-esteem. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about genuine connection to God and prayer. So let's go through a few ways that God explains prayer, okay? And then I'll again verify them with examples where I have actually can verify that to be true. So first and foremost, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, he quotes, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they receive their reward. Which is not a good thing, by the way. That means they receive negative consequence for that. Continuing. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Gentiles just means foreigners, people who don't know God. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And before I continue on, I just want to comment on this. So there's a few important things to say here. First of all, when he says, don't be like the hypocrites and stand and pray at the street corners and in the synagogues, this is this boastful, prideful, um, external praying. And I actually see a lot of this in general and in just religious areas, I suppose, you know, around religious temples and buildings and so on. And it's always put me off because it doesn't look genuine to me. And I understand why. Because he's saying that that's not true prayer. This is like 
basically the, these people sort of standing there saying, God, thank you so much, like out loud. And they're sort of really boastfully saying, because thank you for making me such an amazing person. And thank you for making me so smart. And thank you for making me not like the, you see? And it's always sort of like, first of all, it comes back to you. It's not actually about God. And it's done in a boastful way. So to be seen, right? To be seen. Just like, for example, when you, when you help somebody else, don't do it to be seen. Do it in private and in secret because God rewards you then in public. Um, I've also always had an issue with seeing that. It literally makes me cringe when I see people record themselves going and like helping a stranger on the street or giving them money or something. And then they're recording it and the person's reaction. I mean, please don't do this, guys. It literally defeats the whole purpose of helping somebody. How would you like it if you were literally at one of your lowest points, living on the street? God knows what's happened to you. And someone comes up to you with a camera in your face to glorify themselves. Regardless, they may be giving you a thousand, you know, dollars. You will feel, you would just feel so much shame and embarrassment within from that. It's sad. Like you need to think of who you're actually helping. Help somebody from true humanity, not because you want to show it to others. Um, please, because again, as God says here, they have received their reward. God knows when you're doing this. He knows your heart. You can't hide from him. He knows what your real intentions are. And uh, another important thing to point out here is he says, do not be like them um, who say these like vain repetitions. Very important. Very important. So a lot of people, again, this is in Various different cultures and religions. So I'm literally not even talking about one specific religion or anything. I know people love to immediately think of specific religions when I even just say the word the Bible. But to be clear, I'm not from any religious background whatsoever. Um, and, and, and the Bible and the God of the Bible is not a religious concept. It is simply the word of God in truth and his story and his character and, and historical facts, and also what is to come. There's many prophecies in the Bible. So this is not from any uh, specific like religious intent. So there are, though, religions around the world, um, more so, I would say, in the Eastern world, although I see this sometimes in the West too, where there's this robotic, repetitive man uh, chanting mantras, okay? So, you know, these chanting mantras. Yeah, God actually really doesn't like that. Uh, because it is not genuine. So, for example, let's say somebody you love, uh, like a partner of yours, your, your life partner, okay, or if, it's, if you don't have a life partner, your best friend, comes to you and says, look, we don't spend enough time together and I really miss you. Can we please spend more time together? And you say, okay, let's do that. And you get out a piece of paper and you start writing, spend more time, spend more time spend more time. And your partner's like, what are you doing? You're like, shh, I'm trying to spend more time with you. And you continue writing, spend more time, spend more time. <laughs> Do you see how that, now you've frustrated your partner because they're like, you're not spending more time with me. You're just robotically writing down, spend more time. And you are not getting any closer to your partner or your friend because you're just robotically writing it down. It's the same thing with God. This is why I'm, I keep saying the fundamental part of it is you have to understand it's a personal relationship like you would have with a human. It's a personal relationship. So he doesn't like you basically repeating and memorizing a mantra 
or a chant and thinking that that's prayer. It's not. It's not. That's also performative, whether you do that with, again, large groups of people, performative, or whether that's the way that you do it alone. But it's, it's not genuine and he doesn't like that. It needs to genuinely come from your heart. So what does he say instead? He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. So in private, have your own place to pray. And no, it doesn't mean have like some special sanctuary in your room. It means go where you are completely by yourself because you're going to be spending time with God. It's private. It's intimate. Shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And do not heap unto empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You see, he doesn't, it's not like the louder and the more you chant or repeat that he's going to hear you. He hears you even if you don't physically say the words and it's just in your head. But is it genuine? Are you having a genuine conversation with your father? And that's the way you've got to look at it. It is a relationship like he is your father in heaven and you are the child on earth. Okay, I I will repeat the closest relationship example that we can correlate your relationship to God that is the most helpful, in my opinion, is a parent's relationship to their child. Because a parent's, you know, love for their child is immense. What they'll do for their child, they're very protective. God is protective over you. He's loving over you. Your parents correct you when you error. Your father in heaven corrects you when you error. Okay. He would die for you, just like your parents would die for you. And again, he did die for you on the cross. This is the importance of understanding it's personal. And another reason why this is so important, and a lot of religious institutions actually don't want you to know this is because they want to put a barrier between you and God so that you will actually deify and worship the person whoever the so-called religious figure is or even non-religious even uh uh you know governmental figures corporation figures people who like to put themselves in positions of higher higher status and higher power in the world they want to put themselves as a barrier between you and god because it's like you have to have like an intermediator but you don't because you are a child of god And you can speak with him directly through prayer and through his word. Actually, the only mediator to God, as it is written in scripture, is Jesus Christ. It's the only one. And there is a reason for that too, but that will be uh, a lesson for another day. So you pray in private. And then that leads to that question of, okay, so do I pray out loud or do I pray in my head? Actually, both work and both are meaningful it's just again that it's in private so not pray out loud on the streets that's a no-no because as I said he doesn't like that and that's this boastful and prideful thing praying on the streets in in your head like in private yes I don't see any this is not because it's again it's it's secret it's in secret because perhaps you're doing it onto a specific thing right that you're seeing or you're wanting to pray for but I think most importantly because it should be a literal part of your life, that praying in private, in secret, in your home, is the most effective way to do it. And so praying silently in your head or praying out loud at home, both work, but that you're actually in private. 
Now, what are you praying when you pray to God? Yeah, that's a good question. For me personally, when I first, as I said, first time ever praying and realizing that it was not what I thought it was shown by other people and realized what it actually was, I was genuinely, it was awkward. I was like, God, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it was a bit like that. Um, it makes me smile because it's just, um, honestly, guys, once you have an actual relationship with God, like no one can take it away from you. It's so amazing. But how you do it? Well, first of all, as you're first starting out, the best way to learn what to actually say to God is to actually read out the prayers that are already written in the scriptures. It's, that is one great way to do it because it's first of all, it's going to be teaching you how to pray. And secondly, it's going to be teaching you what people prayed for in the past to God, like throughout scripture. And you can understand therefore what prayer is actually for. Because the thing is, prayer is not Again, it's not you asking for your wishes to come true and it's not you blaming God. It's neither of those things. For the most part, prayer is actually selfless. And I'm giving you now my personal sort of conjecture on that as well. Although, again, scripture confirms this through and through. But most of the prayer I do is just in thanks, is giving thanks to God throughout my entire day. And I was actually doing this before to some extent showing gratitude expressing gratitude but I didn't have that direct correlation of who who to which is very important which made a shift huge shift for me so you know in morning in the mornings the first thing you do is saying thanks to God for another day to be alive for example saying thank you to God for for allowing you the new morning right because his mercy is renewed every morning that's another beautiful thing you can say but again, it's very, there are personal things and I don't want to put any words in people's mouths. I'm just giving some suggestions. And then, of course, at the end of the day to actually be thankful for just everything that people take for granted. Thankful for your food, thankful for your dwelling place, thankful for your, your health. You know, these things are important. They're actually God's gifts. And just because we have them does not mean that we should just never mention them or take them for granted because do know that they can be taken away from you at any given moment, right? And as you're doing that, though, it, it actually builds a character trait within you that is very naturally joyous and joyful and grateful, which, which is a beautiful character trait to have. You're not cynical, you're not resentful, right? That's, that would be the opposite of that. And to as it actually says, uh, I will quote another scripture here, which I like. This is from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this, this is saying like pray without ceasing doesn't mean be constantly like on your knees and like, you know, praying like that. Prayer is a, a literal constant conversation with God and basically having him with you wherever you go it's it's very important praying without ceasing means that you kind of don't when you leave your room and shut the door you don't leave God there as in throughout your day and throughout all your activities in life do you actually consider whether or not this is something God would would like or is it something God would disapprove of that shapes your life 
I mean, so dramatically, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe, right? So it's just in everything you're doing, you have that, your conscience is fully alert and fully connected to God in that you, you, you pray without ceasing. You give thanks always in all circumstances, even if it's not something like extraordinary or something in relation to what people often think is, is a negative thing. You can give thanks for receiving patience. You can give thanks for strength. You can give thanks for um, peace. You know, it does not have to be things that are specific circumstances that were, you know, miraculously worldly. And that's that's a very powerful way to look at it, absolutely. Now, another one I wanted to share is that there is an actual um, word-for-word prayer that is also shared in scripture that is a great way you can start and one that you can use as you begin and read with you and then as you first read it then you can continue with whatever else that you want to pray about after you've said it and it goes like this this is also Matthew 6 I think verses 14 to 15 our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others for their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others for their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So the importance of this is you are... The prayer first starts with thanks to God and to haloing it. Why do you say haloed be your name, our Father in heaven? Because his name is the Holy One, as in he is the only God. Haloed be thy name is to say, like, you are God. You are not praying to anybody else but him. You see, it's very important. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that his will to be done, as in, Your divine will within you, your spark, your purpose, your fire within you is directly correlated to God. So when you live in accordance with his laws, you will naturally flow. You will have harmony in your life. So when you ask for God's will to be done, then that's actually in your favor, right? When you want your will to be done instead, as in you just want to think about whatever your momentary pleasures are or you're asking God for some vending machine thing, then it's you will not get order. You will get rewarded the negative consequence for that because that it will just lead you into the immoral behaviors it always does then it says give us this day our daily bread this is about saying thanks for always having food to eat like there's another beautiful part in scripture that says that the you know the birds of the heavens they don't go around figuring out what they're going to eat that they know that they're going to be provided for right they don't sow uh, they don't plant pl- plant anything. They just go around, fly around, and they find their food and they find their shelter. And he's saying, how much so then for us, you know, humans, children of God, that we, how, how do we have so little faith in him that we would worry for our daily bread instead of praying to him for it, you see? So that is a very humbling one. And I do like that one very much. And then forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors is to never have resentment and hatred for people. Hatred is a very powerful, the point of that is you can hate 
the behavior, as in you can hate the sin because it's hurting the actual person, but you do not hate the sinner, quote. You do not hate the person that is doing it. You love them. And because you love them, you hate their iniquity because it's destroying them. So that's what it means by forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors in that if there's anyone that has wronged you through negative behavior, that you do not hold hatred in your heart in a way that you literally would be happy if something bad happened to them, that you literally pray and wish that something would bad would happen to them. I hope nobody uh, prays or thinks like that. Um, but if you do, just consider and understand that that's not, that's very, hatred in the heart is seen the same way as murder um, to God because everything stems from a thought. Nobody does something from nowhere. So he does not differentiate between thought and action. That's why he's very, he's very, very stringent and clear about what you allow into your mind and your thoughts. That's why the majority of what I teach is about mastering your own mind and emotions, because that's where people get defeated by the evil of this world, which leads to that last point of the prayer, which is so important. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a wonderful one, because if you're not asking for God's support every day, you know, without ceasing, without forgetting then you will be led into temptation because the thing is we are in a world of evil. That's why like one of my quotes is choosing the good in a world of evil. It is actually easier to do good things than it is to abstain from evil in an evil world. You see, that's why it's not about how much good you do. It's about how much do you actually don't not do the things that God despises. The wicked, weevil, we, uh, wicked evil things that make you evil in God's eyes you see so abstaining from evil is so critical but to do it just by yourself is very hard I know this for a lot of people I know I know people that do not have the amount of self-discipline necessary they will constantly fall into temptation from evil I have so much workshops and courses around this with so many practical tools and stuff because this is this is just one of the things that I've um, developed strength and, and, and skills in and I've been teaching other people how to do that. It's extremely important. However, you cannot completely uphold only yourself with it. If you're lacking that strength, if you're lacking that self-discipline, you're asking God to help not lead you into the temptation but to deliver you from evil, to, to basically help you flee. <laughs> help you flee as in run away from evil. This is why abstinence is a must when it comes to evil. There is no balance with evil. It, there's only abstinence. I'll say that again. There's no balance with evil. There's only abstinence. You can't just do a little bit of lawless immorality. It's always going to lead to more and more immorality. Just like with all the commandments, as they build upon each other, they create a, the character of God aspects of him as the way he displayed himself to us as what would be to live a righteous life so is when you break at even just one of them each and every one then leads to further and further immorality further and further a life of satanism okay so that specific prayer is one that's you can start with and then as you develop to actually have a personal relationship you'll start to be able to do it without any weird feelings 
Another fantastic examples for types of prayer is the entire book of Psalms. It's called Psalms, which is P-S-A-L-M-S, which is again within the Bible, but it's called the book of Psalms. And these are literal prayers to God. They're all, there's hundreds of them, prayers to God. And you can again see the types of prayers that were given. And on top of that, I will also tell you that there are many prophecies within the Psalms that also came to be and are still uh, some still to be fulfilled. So it again even shows and verifies within the scriptures that people's prayers were answered. And we actually see that in many, many cases. Now, again, the types of prayers, even if they're personal, are usually not from this, this egotistical, selfish place. So they're usually either for helping others, basically to, to see the truth, to come to him, to, to help you give you strength so that you can help others. It's usually this kind of thing. It's not about like, you know, God, please bring me a million dollars or God, please, I want this dream house. It's, that's not a prayer. It's just not. Um, and the power of true prayer is honestly, it's even the timing, again, it's not, it's always not instantaneous because spiritual matters are not within time. It's very different. So you don't also get an instantaneous result. Sometimes, yes, depends. I, with some of the first few prayers that I did, um, I had instantaneous answer um, and it was truly miraculous. It, it truly, there was no explanation other than God answered the prayer. So these are all things that literally will strengthen your faith and your trust in him because he he will only show you. So, so there's, a, again, scripture that also says those nations or people that seek for signs will not get them because they're, they're, they're looking for that proof first. Like they're, they're, it's that arrogant, you know, well, God should show himself to me because, again, he actually did in the past and people still took it for granted and still dis- disobeyed him, disowned him and chose to do wicked things in his eyes. So, but he says, those that have faith and trust in him, they will receive the signs and wonders, right? It's the contrary, it's the other way around. So you're not praying to get something. You're praying because it is a literal, genuine desire to connect with God. And so, yes, may you have some kind of requests within that prayer or various prayers, sure, but that's not the intent. That's not why you're praying. You're praying because it's a daily part of your life in your walk with God, in your connection to God. As you are thinking about God, as you're talking to God, as you're reading his word, and by the way, it's a living text. It's a living and breathing text. It's a spiritual book. So every time you're reading God's word, it literally is working on you in your mind and your heart. I cannot... The words are hard to explain, but there are so many things that happen to you when you're reading the word of God. When you're truly reading it out of genuine desire to get to know God and and know the truth. And he will convict you for many things. That's another way you know that, that, that God is actually, his spirit is dwelling in you. And there's a distinction from that as in, you know, God is within you. No, as in his spirit dwells in you. When his spirit dwells in you, it means that you are living more in this alignment with him and not with the worldly satanic things of the world. So therefore, you're naturally going to have this more spiritual 
connection to him and you will change. Your demeanor will change in many ways. I'll give you one example. I don't like to use personal examples for anything. I'm a private person, but I'll use a personal example just to make this point. Um, Generally speaking, I did not have any... I was not struggling with like some kind of terrible things or anything like this. Um, So, you know, you hear stories that people say they're like delivered from drug addictions or stuff like that. I've never had any issues like that. And I've genuinely always seek to be the best version of myself, so to speak. So actually, when I, you know, came to know God personally, again, I, I wasn't in some kind of dire straits or anything like this. This was not some desperate act from me. God drew me to him. It was time. Again, that's a whole story in itself, which I haven't obviously spoken about, but but just bear it in mind. And one of the key things that was massively transformational for me that happened only through God and only through reading the scriptures and him starting to dwell more within me is that I completely stopped using cuss words, so swear words. I just completely stopped. And the thing is, I didn't use them a lot. It's not like I was cussing every other word, but... I had no issue with it. I actually thought cuss words were great for like emphasis to make a point of things. But after a certain amount of time, uh, actually it wasn't even that long, I think maybe just two weeks or something, one of the first convictions I had, and a conviction is your, um, it's a feeling of godly sorrow when you feel that you've wronged God, when you understand that you have wronged God and not anybody else, right? And you actually therefore turn away from that which is wrong. You, you understand why it was wrong and why it actually hurts him. And it makes you sad because you don't want to hurt God. You don't want to hurt your heavenly father, you understand? He gave you the gift of life and he wants you to have eternal life. So to not do the things that are not going to give you that, the things that are going to make you suffer forever. So it wasn't long. I really don't even think it was two weeks or so. And I just... It was almost impossible for me to use a cuss word, and I never have ever since. And you'll probably even be able to tell if you're one of my longer listeners, you can actually verify this. If you look, probably listen back to some of my older episodes, every now and then I had no issue with using a cuss word. Um, Again, just for emphasis, it wasn't like constant, but again, emphasis, and I didn't mind hearing it from other people. I, I thought it was, I was very used to it. Now, also with myself completely stopping it, I literally cannot like, I cannot speak it and it's become completely an unnecessary and void to me. In fact, I find it actually quite um, like a, a put, it puts me off. And now when I hear other people, I can really hear it. Like it, it starts to bother me. I'm like, I can't listen to them anymore because it's, um, it's too much. Like it's too much cussing. And because again, when you understand God's character, you understand that he's never, never... <laughs> Never has he, nor has he ever taught anybody to use cuss words. So where would cuss words come from? From evil, from the devil, not from him. So when you realise that, it just it just changes you. And honestly, that was so easy for me. Like I don't miss it or anything. And that's what I mean by the power of the conviction. And that's just a simple one. And again, for some people that might not mean anything or big deal. For me, it's a really big deal because it, there's no other explanation other than it was because of God and my personal relationship with him and his word. It literally, he started dwelling within me and I could no longer do that because of him. And that to me is a big deal, Um, a really big deal. Um, But for other people, there's even, you know, if you want to call them bigger examples of that, where they literally, you know, for example, stopped 
being liars, stopped being cheaters, stopped murdering, stopped um, being fornicators, stopped being drug addicts, right? There's, there's just so many versions and just all of a sudden overnight, like, you know, it's not overnight, but a couple of weeks, couple of months as you continue to develop your relationship with him, you, you become a new creature. It literally says that even in scripture, like you become a new creature and more and more of his character is, is expressed through you. So I just wanted to share that, which was, which was awesome. And a personal example, cause it might, yeah, it makes the point and also could help some people understand the practicality of it. So the Psalms are all literally prayers. And I like to read a Psalm or two or three every day. And sometimes I read them out loud because it's like a praising. I just like to do it to praise God. Not because of what's in the Psalm, but because um, they're beautiful. They really are beautiful. They're kind of like poems. And again, when you're doing that, again, sometimes it actually starts to again convict you. You'll feel sorrow, um, you might cry, uh, you will feel like peace, deep peace in your heart. God will answer a question for you. Again, within scripture, when I say God will answer you or speak to you, I don't mean like an actual audible voice. And I would be very wary, I'm just a suggestion that you, when someone, when lots of people keep saying things like God told me this or God told me that, if they're not talking about from scripture, you have to test the spirits, as again, it says in scripture, Meaning that don't just believe someone because they said God told me this and they're all excited to tell you. You don't know where they got that information from. And again, nowadays, I think very few people receive direct revelation from God that's like for lots of people to hear and stuff. Like in the time of the prophets and and so on and before scripture. Because again, the the scriptures now is 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 the special revelation for everyone like it's there there's there's no new thing to announce you see that that's why i'm saying so whenever people come out with all this this new types of teachings or they twist scripture out of context you've got to be really cautious of of that please um because there will be deceiving spirits and as it says in scripture again in the end times people will uh, fall prey to seducing spirits because of their itching ears because they want to hear flattery that people want to hear things that are new people want to hear good feeling things good news well let me assure you that the, the news of the bible is is not good feeling fluffy news it is both of judgments and justice and of love and of mercy but it's ultimately it's justice and mercy it's not about fairness and lovey-dovey and so on. So it's true love, but you only realise that when, when you begin reading it yourself. And I really hope that you do. I really hope that you do take the time to read it yourself to understand that. So that's really important. So those are a few of the different ways you can begin. We've gone through what prayer is not, what it is, some examples of what good prayer looks like or how you can integrate it in your life, some examples of literal types of prayers that you can practice, uh, and then how to have a life style that embodies prayer. And so in closing, I'll quote another few ones that I wanted to actually say as, as we close out, but uh, I might make more different ones of these, but I think as an initial one, this covers a lot of the key important points and I will say prayer works. Um, <laughs> prayer is powerful. Prayer is spiritual. 
and praying to the true God, the God of the Bible, is absolutely paramount because praying or wishing or chanting or affirming to a false God or a false deity, it does nothing. Actually, God laughs at that. So uh, he's often said that many times and he's proven it again within historical events in scripture where people worshipped false idols in atrocious ways and sacrificed um, many things, including their own children, to these false idols. For what? For things that, again, people today pray for, which is vending machine thing. Like they wanted prosperity. They wanted to have a big harvest for, you know, their fields. They wanted to have um, lots of children. So they would pray to these uh, false deities and gods. And the thing is, they were actually praying to the spiritual realm to which there are very real demons and demons um, will happily take on the role of you praying to them and they will also give you some things but they do it in expectation that you will pay them back and that's the negative thing is that they're not real gods they are falsifications they are counterfeits and they are ultimately all of evil. They are not of the true God. And they are all basically enslaving you and keeping you on a leash. So the prayers that were done to these gods, God showed various times throughout scripture that he would show literal displays where he will take one of his prophets and have him stand, you know, in a public place. And he would ask all of the false prophets to pray to their, you know, let's say astrological gods, like pray to your gods of the stars, pray to your gods of the beasts pray to your gods of the you know the nature and so on uh to do a specific thing like for example to to create a fire in this one place and they were trying to do that and they had hundreds of prophets and nobody could do it but the one prophet that was actually for the one true god he said yeah and now you're going to see none of those gods are real gods because there is only one true god and that god that you're calling for why can't he come and, and take up the fire because he doesn't exist because there's only one true power and that is the one true god the god of the bible and then he would show them in physicality and the true god came down uh, and made the burning fire and then everybody instantaneously was you know taken away shocked some instantly believed but many unfortunately again even while seeing didn't believe and still fall prey to their false idols so this is why it's so important guys deception is everywhere evil has his hands in everything okay in everything and you've got to be sober-minded and vigilant, okay? God doesn't tell you to follow your heart's desire. God tells you to guard your heart and your mind, okay? To guard it. So that's a bit about prayer. Um, I hope that's helped some of you, and I hope that will bring you some of you closer to God because it's honestly one of the most important things you ever do in life. In this life, that is all about Choosing the good in a world of evil, choosing the positive path of being in service to God, truth and purpose, instead of choosing the negative path, which is service to self, self-delusion, self-exaltation, and ultimately creating your own gods, which whether it be false deities or creating yourself as a god, are all just as abominable in God's eyes, okay? And in closing, a couple of great um, quotes that directly correlate to the importance and how to pray. So let's go to Luke chapter 18 from verse 9. 
And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So this is a parable that uh, Jesus spoke to hit the point about the difference between a true prayer and um, like a prideful, unrighteous prayer. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, saying, God, I thank you that I am not as other men who are like extortioners, they're unjust, they're adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give charity of all that I possess. And then the tax collector, standing far away, so not in the midst of all the people, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he was beating upon his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, I am a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, shall be humbled, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. End quote. That is very powerful to understand the difference between those two types of prayers. And then lastly, I want to quote from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, where it says, sorry, from verse 12 actually, Put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, which is the strategic methods of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then also I would like to read the point from uh, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherever you shall be, able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So your faith is a shield in the face of wicked and in the face of evil. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Did you see hear that? The word of God is the sword of the spirit, meaning that how you fight, how you battle in spirit is with the word of God, with the knowledge and the understanding of God's wisdom. Okay, <laughs> with that, I shall close. Have a wonderful day.